Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Remember this last week? Merry Christmas, right? And so I want to just welcome you and let you know that today's a little bit different. But every Sunday is a little bit different. Our goal in our Inspire service is to help you take that next step towards trusting God more, whether you've walked with God for a long time or you're not even sure about God. But today we do have a special guest, and we invited our kids into our experience today, so there'll be a few more pictures and videos just to keep us engaged. But we're so glad you're here to celebrate Christmas with us. And if you've been in Austin for any length of time, you know that we like to say, keep Austin weird. And we mean that. I mean, what other city on the planet has yardists, people who create yards like this? Have you seen that? Or or what about this one? Have you seen the Cathedral of Junk? That's what it's called. I'm not saying anything mean. It has a Zen garden with 200 TVs and 60 tons of junk. Or maybe you've been to 37th Street around Christmas time, where they have the stuffed animal petting zoo. Have you been there? There it is. Brought to you by SARF, the Stuffed Animal Rescue Foundation. You can pet these little animals. Uh, But they also have a shark. It's a petting zoo, but they put the shark in a cage. They're weird, not stupid. right? (laughs) Now, only in Austin would you have a three-time candidate for mayor who wears nothing but a thong. Don't worry, I have no pictures of Leslie. (laughs) But only in Austin do we have statues memorializing guitarists like Stevie Ray Vaughan and Willie Nelson, right? Austin is a weirdly wonderful amalgamation of high-tech, highly educated slacker and hippie all combined. And the live music capital of the world has attracted the world. Even in our community, our three campuses across Austin, we have 65 different nationalities represented. Austin is anything but normal. It's weird. But you know, Christmas is weird too. The original reason we celebrate Christmas is because of its uniquely miraculous, odd, wonderful, and weird message. Don't let the familiarity of the story numb you to the powerful, transforming message of Christmas. And all the commercialism, we miss what's beautiful and weird about this holiday. Now, one of the weirdest Christmases ever was the Christmas of 1914. Planet Earth had never seen so much hatred and fighting in that year when World War I broke out. It was so destructive because it was the first war when the old methods of fighting, like white hats and the cavalry, were going up against industrialized weapons like machine guns and tanks and gas masks. Check out this picture of a horseman and a lance going up against a gas attack, or this picture of a horse wearing a gas mask. Now, it's hard to put ourselves in this place 104 years ago. The only images many of us have of World War I are are images like this one, Wonder Woman. But to help us put ourselves in that place, I want you to check out some actual footage from World War I that was recently colorized and put on screen in a documentary called They Shall Not Grow Old by the director of Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson. Watch this. And my father allowed me to go. I was just turned 17 at the time. I was 16. And I was 15 years. When they came to us, they were frightened children and had to be made into soldiers. Oh, boys, here he comes. We're in the pictures. 
<laughs> I gave every part of my youth to do a job. So in the end, 17 million lost their lives in World War I. This year, 2018, marks the 100th anniversary of the end of what was called the War to End All Wars. But it wasn't the last war. In fact, things got even worse. Estimates range for World War II that five times as many lost their lives. We live in a world filled with war. We fight. That's one of the constants of humanity. And yet, in this great war, World War I, in the midst of so much devastation, there was something amazing and miraculous and even weird that happened on Christmas Eve in 1914. On the front lines of battle, the English and German soldiers were positioned in trenches, holding each other off, firing machine guns and firing mortar shells day after cold, wintry day. And then the mental, in the middle was no man's land, a place where neither side would venture because no one could survive in no man's land. Then came Christmas Eve, 1914. Suddenly the rifles stopped firing. Bombs stopped exploding. And there was this eerie silence. It was surreal. And instead of war, you could hear laughter and talking and even singing across no man's land. The British troops climbed out of the trenches feeling vulnerable in the moonlight, but curious as well. They crouched down, ready for bullets to whiz over their heads, but instead they saw a strange light being lifted up on the German side. It was a Christmas tree. It was midnight. Christmas Day had come. From the frozen mist of the enemy trenches rose a rich baritone voice singing in German, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. It was so strange, so surreal, so, so weird. A German voice in the darkness shouted in English, come over here. A British sergeant shouted, you come over here. The German soldier shouted back a concession, you come halfway, I come halfway. The British soldiers watched as their sergeant crept out to the middle of no man's land. Several minutes later, he returned with German cigars he had been given in exchange for the British cakes and cookies the sergeant had brought. The next day, crystal, Christmas Day, was a crystal clear, cloudless blue sky, and the whole spirit of Christmas seemed to cut right through the hatred, division, and coldness of war. There was an indescribable sense of peace in the air. By the middle of the day, right there in the middle of no man's land, soldiers from both sides were engaged, sharing, talking, even playing soccer, joking. There was no more shooting or fighting, wishing each other Merry Christmas, even promising to write each other when the war was over, exchanging addresses. Not an ounce of hate on either side that day. It was supernatural peace that had descended. A British soldier said, I wouldn't have missed that unique and weird Christmas day for anything. A German soldier said, we don't want to kill you and you don't want to kill us. So why shoot? The next day, the soldiers did not want to fight. Both sides resisted going back to war until a German commander 
shot one of his soldiers who refused to shoot and war resumed back to the world as usual but what a weird Christmas if you're like most people today you need a weird Christmas our world needs a weird Christmas we want to live at peace and yet something pushes us to fight just just watch the news race pitted against race Party against party, husband against wife, children against parents, brother against sister. The world is at war, but we long for peace. We long for joy. We long for a truce. There's a song that made a resurgence in the last few years called Hallelujah. It was written by Leonard Cohen in 1984. The word hallelujah is actually two Hebrew words put together. Hallelujah, which means praise. Yah, short for Yahweh, means God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Cohen recognized the struggle with the human longing and seeking God. We want peace that comes from God, but we struggle in so many ways. So the best that we can bring is actually a broken hallelujah. But what if that's all that God wants? To seek his peace, even in the trenches of our own battles, to bring him a broken hallelujah today. What struggle, what brokenness, what lack of peace do you bring here today?
What will you do with your broken hallelujah? Will you let the peace of God descend on you as you offer him that broken hallelujah? See, it's at this time of year when we want our broken ways to be disrupted and, and to, to be made right. I mean, that's why we love these Christmas films. We watch a Christmas carol to see the angry Ebenezer Scrooge turn into this nice guy who buys the big turkey. We watch... George Bailey's guardian angel help him see it is a wonderful life. We watch Walter accept his son as his son elf, buddy. Christmas is meant to disrupt, to intrude on the norm. It's not supposed to be normal, but weird. That we might experience peace, that the fighting would cease, that we would love one another like we know it's supposed to be. You need a weird Christmas, and so do I. The angels sang on that first Christmas, hallelujah, praising God. Listen in Luke 2. It says, an angel of the Lord stood before the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger, which is a feeding trough. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. God was bringing peace to the earth. But but how? I mean, it doesn't seem like it's working, does it? I mean, families are divided, coworkers fight, hate, hurt, division seem to be the norm. But God's plan to bring peace has always been weird. It disrupts the normals, normal ways of the world. 1914 wasn't the weirdest Christmas. I know we have some kids in here. If you're in here and you're a kid, just yell Christmas time. Ready? All right, there's more than four of you. Let's try again. I'm giving you a chance to yell in church. You ready? Kids, say Christmas time. All right, that's better. Let me ask you a question, kids. Parents, don't give them the answer. The weirdest Christmas night ever was the night a baby was born. Which baby? That's right. Let me give you a hint. If you're never sure and you're asked a question in church, just answer Jesus. All right? It's going to be right most of the time. 
It was not boss baby. It was Jesus. Now, Jesus, his birth was not what you would expect. Now, the night that the angels told the shepherds of what was coming was not the first night that the world was notified of this Messiah. In fact, throughout the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, for thousands of years before Jesus was born, prophets prophesied of this day. Over 60 times, like little Christmas cards, from generation to generation, they were hearing of the foretelling of the one to come who will rescue us. The prophet Isaiah in the Hebrew scriptures wrote this in 680 B.C., In the future, God will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Isaiah, the prophet, said that peace would finally come to earth as a person. Now, if you're here and you're skeptical about the scriptures and you're thinking, well, he probably wrote that after it happened. But actually, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in 1947. And with science, we can carbon date these scrolls and we have proof that they predate Jesus being here. The mighty God told us in advance that he would descend to bring peace on earth, that he would be born as a child in Bethlehem, the city of David. He would grow up in Galilee. He was destined to be the prince of peace, the one who would bring a lasting kind of peace, a new kingdom built through the hearts of willing people. So why isn't peace ruling on earth? And how can peace come to you and me? Well, that very first Christmas gives us a clue. That night in Bethlehem, the angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace in people whom God's goodwill rests. See, God has goodwill towards everyone. God is for you, not against you. Peace has come to earth for all people who want God's goodwill. See, the angel said something weird that could easily be missed. This will be the sign. Here's the tip off. This is your clue how you can identify the mighty creator invading humanity. You won't find him wrapped in silken robes, lying in a golden crib, in the posh palace of a king. That's what we think of as great and mighty. No, the angel said, here's the sign. You will find this prince of peace in a barn, wrapped in dirty rags, lying in an animal feeding trough. What kind of sign is that? I mean, a barn is not exactly the preferred maternity ward. Most stables don't come equipped with a top-of-the-line crib or changing table or a glider rocker. I've been to the place where they think Jesus was born, and it's a cave where animals lived, and animals do what animals do best was filling that place up. I'm sure Mary was not excited when Joseph said, guess what, I've got us a place, the stables. So why is this a sign? What's the sign of humility? This is no ordinary king. This is no ordinary peace. The God of the universe chose to enter human history with humility. No power, no money, no royal treatment, no applause, no newspaper headlines. Born in a barn 
entrusted to a young, impoverished couple in the midst of scandals, pregnant but not married. The mighty God comes to the messiest place wrapped up in humility, and that's the sign because peace comes to earth wrapped in humility. God is for you, not against you. He loves you like no one else. God created you for a relationship with the one who made you for himself, and you're his beloved child. Just like there's nothing you wouldn't do for the little ones in your life, there's nothing he wouldn't do to reach you. There's no act of humility he would not undertake to bring peace between you and him. Whether in rags laid in a feeding trough or wrapped in rags and laid in a barrier chamber. From the humility of his birth to the humiliation of his death on a cross, he came to bring peace to you today. See, peace comes wrapped in humility, but that's, that's just so weird for this world. See, there's not more peace on earth because of pride, our pride. Pride is the destroyer of peace. It's very subtle, but the anxiety or the impatience or the lack of love or the selfishness comes when we feel like it's all up to me. When we feel like we have to do it all without anyone's help, without God's help. When we feel like we don't have time to seek God or make his ways more important than what we want. When we feel like we have to take charge or control of the situation or change the circumstances or get other people to do what we want them to do. In essence, pride is when we play God. It's the opposite of a humility that admits, I cannot make peace happen. God, I need your peace from above. Now, sometimes the very time of the Christmas season reveals how desperately we need peace from above. The mall traffic and family that gets on our nerves and the loneliness and traveling with little ones, it, it can knock the circumstantial peace out of you like an MMA cage fight. I heard this great story of a young couple who was flying home for Christmas with two small children, both under three. They took the back row of the plane, hoping that would help. It didn't. They cried and they yelled and they were, by the end of the flight, covered in dirty diapers and spilled milk and cracker crumbs and crying kids. There was no peace on earth in row 31. They knew it was bad when the snarky flight attendant asked, would you mind if your kids played outside? As the plane descended and the screaming escalated, a guy a couple rows in front of them turned back to survey the damage and asked, are those your two kids? The dad hesitated, reluctantly admitted, yeah, these are, these are our kids. The guy said, my wife and I would give anything in the world to have two kids. Suddenly the dad felt embarrassed, realizing how quickly the circumstances had taken away his joy and the blessings of life that he enjoyed. So he asked the man, so, so you and your wife don't have any kids the man said, no, we have five kids. We would give anything to just have two. <laughs> now, this story is not about any of you kids in here, of course. <laughs> but have you been looking for peace and trying to change the world around you, changing the circumstances? I mean, that's normal, but it never works. Peace never comes to earth wrapped in perfect circumstances. Peace is never about that promotion, that recognition. Peace is never about the bigger house, more income. It's not about finding that perfect person. It's not about fixing that person you used to think was perfect. Peace doesn't come by cleaning up your act or trying to prove how good you are to God. 
The God of peace comes in the messy places we find ourselves, and he comes when we ask for help. Peace comes as a person. The Prince of Peace, wrapped in humility, is willing to jump into our messy lives and to give us peace. But it requires letting go of pride and receiving that gift. Prince of Peace comes in humility. To experience his peace, we must respond in humility. Peace is here today. Do you want his peace? See, the problem is so, will- so few of us are willing to humble ourselves It requires saying, God, your will be done on earth and in my life as it is in heaven. See, God doesn't force his will. He gives us the chance to choose. And he promises peace. Jesus said, trust in God, trust also in me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. See, our world is at war because God does not force his will. And people make choices that actually hurt us. We make decisions that hurt others. But God is with us in the midst of those trying and challenging circumstances. We can have a faith bigger than our circumstances, a peace that surpasses understanding. In a world where we don't often seek his ways but want what we want, But even still, God loves us. He offers forgiveness. He offers to guide us. Do you want a normal Christmas or do you want to keep Christmas weird? Let God disrupt this world at war. Let me give you three quick ways to have a weird Christmas and not get sucked into the norm. First, expect God to interrupt you. Everyone in the Christmas story was interrupted by God in some way, and his interruption was the source of the best kind of weirdness. But it's risky. It's like laying down your guns and walking into no man's land. It requires faith. But will you let God interrupt you in this season? Two, join God in what God's doing. The people that most experienced Christmas for what it is didn't resist. They didn't hold on to the pride of normality. They stepped out in faith. I wonder how might he lead you in this Christmas season to show kindness or love even to those that are hard to love. Join God in what he's doing. You know, we meet here every Sunday and we would love for you to come back. In the new year, we meet at 9.30, at 11, and at 6. Make connecting to God on Sundays our priority. Next Sunday, the 30th, we will only have our morning services, but come every Sunday unless you are out of town or have the flu. Come as you are, unless you're contagious. That's my new addendum in this season. (laughs) But third, move towards Jesus. The entire Christmas narrative is about people either moving toward embracing Jesus or rejecting Jesus. Some of us here have kept Jesus at arm's length. We have doubts, but we're not really pursuing God for the answer. We're not taking our spiritual journey seriously. Or we might believe with our head but have never allowed it to change, this message to change our heart. Move towards Jesus. Peace is personal. Peace comes through a relationship with God, a God who knows you better than you know yourself, who knows how to guide you into life and freedom, who is powerful when you feel powerless, who wants to do life with you and to guide you to become the most peaceful loving person he created you to be. But it requires humility. 
So I want to create the space in this moment as we celebrate Christmas to allow you in your own heart and your own mind to connect with God. Just ask God for a new start. Ask him for forgiveness. Confess whatever may be keeping you from fully surrendering your life. Give him your past, your present, your future, your regrets, your hopes, your dreams. Commit your heart to following him as your savior, your Lord, your leader. So in the silence, I just wanna give you this opportunity, just in your own heart and own mind, spend a moment connecting or reconnecting with God. Heavenly Father, as we pause in the midst of this experience together, God, would you hear our prayers? And if we have an impression, a a prompting, a a thought that, that we know must be from you, would you give us the courage to act on it? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to know there is hope for peace this Christmas. There's hope for peace in this new year. The Prince of Peace can transform us and we can bring his peace to the world around us life by life. So let's invite the God of peace to descend into our battles 